Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. On today's program, we'll be continuing our discussion of the foundation of medical treatment, that of the physician-patient relationship, with a researcher who studies these relationships, Dr. Mary Catherine Beach, Associate Professor of the Division of General Internal Medicine, also in the Berman Institute of Bioethics and the Welch Center for Prevention, Epidemiology, and Clinical Research at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Beach, the next topic I want to discuss with you is um, what physicians can do better than they're doing now. We've already touched on a few of these things, but uh, are there other other key things that, that physicians should be doing? Yeah, so there's a couple, a couple of things. One of the things that uh, that we are very bad at is identifying, being able to be aware of what patients' emotions are, and so it, and this is this falls under the category of sort of empathic listening or reflective listening. So a lot of times people will tell us things that are emotional, and when you when we study empathy, we can sort of we can code transcripts of doctors and patients talking to one another and look for instances where a patient will say something that's got an emotion. The patient will say, you know how you, know how you get kind of scared? Or the patient will say, you know, I was, I was really upset because, and then they'll tell you, you know, a story of something sad that happened. And you, almost uniformly, the doctor tends to go either not directly acknowledge the emotion, but instead to move on to something that is, fixable about the problem. And the, the problem with doing that is and sometimes I think that works for patients. You know, if, if I come in and I say I'm really upset, I was, you know, I was crying the last 10 days because I, <laughs> because I, you know, had some problem, you know, with my health insurance. And then, and I couldn't get an appointment to see you because they told me I had to change doctors. And my doctor's able to fix that problem, say, oh, well, what you really need to do is, you know, switch this, da-da-da-da. Then they've solved the problem that caused me to be upset in the first place, and I think I'm fine. I, don't, I think in some respects I'd prefer that than if the doctor said, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> but they're not actually mutually exclusive responses, right? So people will often say, well, why would you want empathy if you could have, you know, someone to fix your problems? Well, you could... You can have both. You can have someone acknowledge how you feel, and then if they can fix it, you know, yeah, sure, give it a shot. But a lot of things we can't fix, and we still tend to, to go for that solution-focused talk. And so if a patient says, um, 
you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling scared. I'm really nervous about this, this test I'm about to have. Um, you know, it doesn't always help to say, oh, don't worry about it. Everybody has it all the time. You know, I mean, that, that tends to not be very comforting to people. It sounds like what you're describing is um, is spousal relationships and uh-huh. and, and uh, what women want from their husbands. Um, you know, that's funny. So I will often use that example because when I started studying communication, my husband would um, he would you know we would be at the end of the day and I would say. You know, we'd be like debating over who whose turn it was to mm-hmm. do something with the kids, and and I would say it's fine. It's just that I've had a hard day, and you know, and I would say, and I I wouldn't mind doing it if you could just say like I can see you've had a long day, and he would say, but you just told me to say that. You know what? What? Why would I? Why would I do anything? I'd say I don't know. I think it would relax me if you could just say like I can see you've had a hard day. So. So I used to tell that story when I would teach about communication, and we always get get a get a chuckle. The truth is, I have noticed that it is not just women that want to be understood; men want it too, and um, they often don't realize it. That men have emotions that uh, they may tend stereotypically to fall under the realm of, you know, more towards towards anger and frustration than towards tears, but they're. Um, when there's emotion present, it relaxes everybody to just have it acknowledged. So the problem isn't that when a male patient goes to a female doctor, the male patient just wants it fixed and the female doctor wants to talk about it. Right. That's not the problem. Oh, okay. All right. So um, we doctors, we need to do a better job being aware of patients' emotions and acknowledging those emotions before we go and fix things. Right. Anything else we physicians should be doing better? Um, yeah, so there's, there's actually, if you think about it, when you go to the doctor, a lot of times, you know, if you're very empowered and you're, you're activated, you might have a list of things you want to talk about. Now, you might actually write those things down and carry them into the office, or you might have the list in your head. Um, and when the doctor says, what's going on, how are you, you might say, oh, I'm good, thanks, you know, I wanted to talk about X, Y, or Z, or, you know, you throw, throw the first thing out there. And then the doctor will, you know, start to talk to you about that problem, and the conversation will just kind of go along, and you'll address that problem, and then the doctor will bring something up, and you'll address that problem, and you'll talk a little bit more. The doctor will examine you. The doctor writes a prescription, gives you something, some piece of advice. Suddenly the visit's over, and you realize that you hadn't actually gone through the list, and maybe because you didn't write it down or you just forgot or whatever. So one of the things that we try to teach doctors to do is to set an agenda at the beginning of the visit by making sure that they, they give the, the patient enough time to say all the things that they had wanted to talk about. And this is very scary to doctors because, you know, we, we often are only allotted 15 minutes. And, you know, like, like we were just talking about, you don't want to be running behind because then, you know, all the people after that are, uh, are you know, kind of a little irritable and frustrated with you. So you're, you know, you're sort of feeling like you've got, you're under some time pressure. And so what the doctors tend to do is not ask the patient, oh, yeah, okay, we can talk about that. What else is going on? What else is going on? What else is going on? You know, we don't actually, we call it like elicit the full spectrum of the patient's concerns. And we tend not to do that because I think we, we're either interested in the first concern and we dive right in because we think that's the only thing or because we 
really can't handle more than one or two things. So we, you know, so anyway, we. I think that from the patient's perspective, it's it was it's important to be able to say at the beginning of the visit, I have four things I want to talk to you about. Now, the doctor could very well come back and say, you know what, those are four big things and they all need about 15 minutes, so let's just talk, let's make sure, I think the biggest priority is this, what do you think? You know, and you kind of negotiate that. But it's important for the patient to be able to get out right at the beginning. So, you know, if you're, if you're listening and you're a patient, write down those lists of things and bring them in, and at the very beginning when the doctor says, how are you, you say, good, I have five things I want to talk to you about, or I have, you know, um, whatever it is, so that that orients the doctor. So that's what I'm, I would say to, for the patients to do, and for the doctors, I just always tell them, look, get it all out at the beginning. It's much better to figure out what's, what, the, what are all the things the person wants to talk about right then there in the beginning so you can decide what's most important. Because otherwise, right at the end of the visit, when your hand's on the doorknob, the person suddenly remembers or gets enough, it uh, gets enough um, uh, kind of um, uh, pro- uh, motivation to say what it is that they that they really had wanted to talk to you about. Before we move on to other things that patients can do to help, um, God, I feel like I'm doing exactly what you asked me to do. Is there anything else? That, uh, that the physicians can do better. I mean, how much time do we have, Steve? I don't know. We, there's a lot of you know. There's a lot of little tricks to the trade. Okay, I tell, what, them, I tell you what. I tell you what. I think you got. We'll wait till the next visit. We can. Yeah, we we can do this again. I mean, I, you can have another visit, and I'll give you another <laughs> fifteen minute appointment. Okay. <laughs> All right, patients. So the patients got to get out what they want. Is, is there other things that patients can do to help? Um, oh, that's funny. You know, I have, yes, there are. And what I think is funny is that I have, I've recently come to, 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 to have this idea that I think might be a little radical, so I'll just throw it out there because I think it's interesting. Um, so, uh, the, so there are patients who will tell me that they're, they don't feel like their doctor is listening to them. So when that's happening, um, my response is that you, there's this thing that we teach doctors to do, which is to paraphrase what the person just said, and to or to um, or to to ask the person to repeat back to them what they've understood. And so one of the things it's called that's called a teach back. So you can get doctors to say just so I can be sure I've understood. You know, tell me what you're under. Tell me just so I can be sure I've been clear. Tell me what your understanding of you know, the next steps regarding blah, blah, blah are. And so I've often thought that it would be interesting to, if you feel like you're, you know, seeing a doctor, you're the patient, and you're seeing a doctor, and they don't appear to be listening to you, you could say something like, so just so that I can be sure that I've been clear, can you tell me what your, you know, your understanding of the time course is or what this, how this has developed in me? Or, you know, asking questions. I mean, Feel, so I, I think that the pa- patients need to feel empowered to ask questions. And, you know, like I was describing, you, even, my, even my parents, and they ask questions, but, you know, I, I think this orientation that, you know, that, that, oh, well, the doctor's here, I should, you know, I should, um, I should just listen, that's got to change because cause you, you want to be able to ask the questions that are, that are important to you. 
normally at about this point in the show, I ask for your final suggestions. But seriously, I, I would welcome having you back. So is there any suggestions that you would like to, I won't call them final suggestions, but anything else you would like to leave our with, listeners with today? Well, you're, you deserve to have a doctor that's respectful and listens to you. I'm sure you know that, but I'll just say that there are a lot of them out there that, that are great, and if you don't have one, you should switch. Um, if you want to make the visits more effective, say bring a list of your concerns, remember to all write down all your questions ahead of time, kind of figure out what it is that you want out of the visit, and go in and get it. Fabulous. Mary Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you, Steve. We have great physicians in the United States who give patients great care. They, these are doctors who highly trained, devoted their lives to making sure patients get great care and truly care about patients. But as Dr. Beach points out, patients don't always feel well cared for. This is something that doctors certainly should aspire to, making sure every patient feels cared for, making sure that every patient realizes how caring the doctor is. And I think Dr. Beach makes great points that physicians have tools that they can use to help assure that patients are getting the care they deserve. And patients have tools. Empowered patients have tools they can use to make sure that they get the care that they deserve. The relationships between doctors and patients should certainly not be contentious relationships. These are partnerships where each side cares greatly about the other. Doctors caring for patients, respecting their opinions, patients certainly having tremendous respect for their physicians. One of the ways that we didn't talk about making sure that patients get the care they want is to use some of the online feedback systems that are in place now on the internet, like Dr. Score or other physician rating sites. These are great ways for patients to let other people know how good the care is in the doctor's office and let other people know, as well as the doctor know, what things can be improved. There's nothing mean-spirited about this. When Dr. Beach talks about how patients can make sure their doctor's listening, there's, there's nothing mean-spirited about that either. Uh, people can work together in medicine and as a model for in all sorts of, of um, interactions between people. There are skills that we have to communicate with each other that allow us to have a better understanding of each other. This is essential in medicine. It's essential in pretty much every other human endeavor. In that regard, I would recommend to you my book, Compartments, a book that deals with how people in one group often get very mistaken ideas about people in another group. And I'll provide a link to the, to the book on um, the show for this week on the webtalkradio.net website. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this two-part program with Dr. Beach. I hope you'll join us again next week. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I do wish you the very best of health.
Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.